Feltone Hearing Aid Center presents The Drive. Ready, fight! The Drive. Elmore deep, left side three, it's good! From 30 feet, John Elmore! The Drive with Paul Swan. Welcome in to the Tuesday, September 25th edition. Your drive begins now here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're presented by Belltown Hearing Aid Center. Coming up today on the program, we're going to hear from Marshall football coach Doc Holliday about this week's matchup with Western Kentucky Plus. We've got thoughts from Marshall linebacker Chase Hancock. And later on the program, David Kahn from the West Virginia Power is going to join me. The Power have a new affiliation for the team. They are a Seattle Mariners affiliate now. So I'm kind of curious how that's going to work out being it was awful convenient for the Pirates to have an affiliate right down the road in Charleston, West Virginia. And, of course, they've got their rookie league team as well. So you can move players up and down a little bit if you needed to. I thought that was awful convenient. But now the power are going to be representing Seattle. That means a lot of changes for the logo and a lot of marketing and branding is going to have to be redone. So Dave is going to talk to us about that, and later on we'll get your phone calls in at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Now, I want to start out today with a little bit of my conversation with Judy McLeod, Commissioner of Conference USA. Now, there was an article today in the Herald-Dispatch. Chuck Landon wrote it about attendance in college football. It's a good read. Go ahead and spend some time looking at that. I'm not going to dig into it because that's Chuck's article, but I do recommend go read it. Now, with that said, though, that's a great springboard for me because during my conversation with the commissioner of Conference USA, I asked her a few questions about attendance. And my first question to her on attendance was, yeah, what's the conference stance on that issue? So I just want to kind of get a, a general feel for where the league stood on how attendance is going, and here's her reply. A big talk across the country is declining attendance. And, um, you know, we have to figure out a way, you know, I, I try to go out every weekend to, to a school, but if I sat home, I could probably watch every single game or at least part of it. Um, and, you know, when you can watch a bunch of games and, be cozy on your couch and right next to your refrigerator I mean it's hard to argue but then I think you do see the moments like North Texas at Arkansas last week you know being there and being a part of it is still really special the bands the young student athletes out there giving it their all and so you know we have to just make sure our events stay current um, I've seen a lot with the games that we do on Facebook and Twitter People are actually in the stands commenting on their phones, you know, watching other games. And so um, it's a challenge, but I think there's something still really special about this game and, and uh, the camaraderie that it creates. The college football game is completely different than the pro game. It's steeped in tradition, pageantry. There's a lot going on for college football. So she's got some good points. Hey, this is why college football is fun in person. Now, she also hit on some really solid points. I can sit back at home. I've got my couch. It's nice and comfortable. And I've got my TV. And these days, just unless you're like holding on to that old TV you bought years ago, you're just hanging on to it, you probably have a, a nice modern television, 
high resolution, HD, minimum. Maybe some of you have jumped into 4K. The picture's good. Nice in my house. I can have takeout if I want to get some pizza. I've got my kitchen there. I can have some friends over. We can watch the game together. I can watch different games. I won't have to just watch one. I can watch different games at the same time. It's a better experience. Watching games at home these days is a better experience. I don't have to go deal with that nasty rain that we saw Saturday at Jones Edwards Stadium. The rain that caused a lot of fans to maybe depart at halftime and not come back. Don't have to do that anymore. So there are some challenges to getting the attendance stabilized and bringing people back to the game. And so that was one of my questions to her. How do you grow the attendance? How do you get people back to the game? To make things an event more than just a game, it's got to be a social experience. You know, times have changed, and so um, you're not going to just open the gates and get people to come in if there's nothing else to draw them, unfortunately. So people are getting creative um, with the events surrounding the games, half times, um, and then just, you know, post-game even. I mean, I, there's a wrestling match. <laughs> I, I miss that one. Now, I'm not going to do a wrestling match for my postgame, but you should be listening to my postgame. No, I'm not doing a wrestling match. I got the uh, I got the thumbs up from our producer, Gabriel Sellards. He wants postgame wrestling, so me and Dave Walsh taking on all comers. Is that, is that what it's going to take to get you guys to uh, stick around uh, for the game is the promise that all comers will be taken on by me and Dave Walsh? No. We'll see. I'm going to need a pretty big purse on that as far as the take-home pay. So she's got a point there. It's got to be an event. If you're going to come out to the game these days, the attention spans, not very good. It's got to be an event, something spectacular to make you want to come out. I don't know, say like an ACC opponent coming in to play a football game in your stadium like NC State. So here's the other question that – was asked of Judy. And I really wanted her to um, take a look at this. So I asked her, if the league was getting into trying to band together as members, and if the league was looking into maybe lowering the barrier to entry, because if you're going to bring a family to the football game, you've got your ticket price. On top of your ticket price, you're going to be there for several hours. So The kids are going to want concessions. Their kids are going to want something to drink. You'll probably want something to drink because you can't just bring in a picnic basket and and have fun in the end zone. No, it costs money to go to a game. Parking costs money. Tickets cost money. Concessions cost money. There's a base cost, and then there's the other cost. There's a barrier to entry. And so I asked Judy what was the league doing or if they would be looking into making some cuts, such as what other schools are doing, lowering concession prices? Here's her response. That's a great point that, honestly, I don't think there's been a lot of talk about. Um, There's been a lot of talk about, you know, a lot of programs are adding alcohol sales that haven't in the past. And so some of those best practices have been shared. But um, I have seen that a lot with the NFL, especially in the cutting of prices and in certain areas. So um, probably a good good topic that I'll put on my AD's list for next week. So it's on our list now. I have set policy 
or at least I have set uh, some meeting minutes now at Conference USA just for one day. I'll take it. So my victory is complete. All right, I'm going to have more from Commissioner Judy McLeod. That's coming up tomorrow. But when we come back from break, it's Tuesday, so I've got remarks from Marshall football coach Don Colliday. We're going to have those when we come back here on The Drive, presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to this edition of The Drive, presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. It's Tuesday. That means I get to spend a couple hours out of the office. Don't tell the bosses. It's really great. I get to go talk to Chase Hancock. I also get to hear from Doc Holliday. So don't tell the bosses. Now, it is Tuesday, as we didn't mention. So that means uh, Doc Holliday gets to address the media. He gets to address the media, talk to us about what the next game is going to be about, answer our questions. And so... Doc, as he always does, and he's presser. He names his starting captains, and he also uh, sets up the week. Here's Doc's opening statement. Captains for this week, uh, which is so important when you get ready to go on the road and play a game. You guys all are, when you go on the road, I've talked many times about having to take your leadership and your toughness. And, of course, this week will be no different. But uh, captains this week on offense will be Marcel Williams and Keon Davis for the first time. Uh, Keon's just a guy that just – uh, he's a really good football player that finds a way to make plays and uh, excited about where he is right now. And then the other on defense, we got Ryan B and Malik Gant. Who Malik Gant's a guy that just keeps uh, making plays and uh, really a tough guy out there. So we're going to need that uh, this week. As you know, going into conference play, I don't know if I've ever, Steve will have to answer that question for me. I'm not sure we've ever gone on the road and opened up in Conference USA since I've been here. Maybe we have. I do, I don't remember it. But it's always a challenge to go on the road and got the opportunity to. This, this week to play uh, you know one of the top teams in our conference. Uh, Western Kentucky's got great tradition there, and and uh, so it'll be a great challenge for us, and, and we'll have to do a great job with our preparation this week, uh, getting ready to head that way. So, Bowling Green, heading to Bowling Green to take on Western Kentucky. And one of the questions right away asked of Doc was, um, what's it going to be like? You're, you've got a Western Kentucky team that likes to play multiple quarterbacks, and here's his response to that. Well, they, they have. Uh, you know, Eccles is their senior. Uh, whether he'll play or not, I don't know. Uh, you know he's he started the first two games for him. He is their senior that played against us some a year ago out here. They had, they had a specific package for him out here when we played him out here. So he played in that game a year ago. The other two guys are, are younger players. But the thing about they don't change a whole lot with what they do. Probably the package has expanded a little bit with Eccles in there because he's is a senior and has played. But you look at them on tape, they're not a whole lot different with any three. They're going to have some quarterback runs mixed in there, and all three of them have the ability to do that. So they don't change a lot. I still say that's going to be a lot to prepare for. I'm not saying that it's going to be impossible, but at the same time, you've got any, to prepare. Any. At the same time, you've got to prepare for what is going to be a three-headed quarterback monster. And one of those heads is uh, Stephen Duncan. And Duncan looked pretty good. He got into a rhythm against Ball State last week, and here's Doc's response to that as we narrow in a little bit on that quarterback. And he, and he got him a victory. You know, he got, got in her second half, and so I assume that's who we'll see. Who knows? I don't know. But uh, you know, that being said, he you know, went in her second half, did a great job for him, and found a way to come out of there on the road with a win. So I'm sure that means a lot to to their coach and their players, and that's probably who we'll see start against us. I would guess. 
So getting ready for three quarterbacks, always fun for a defense. We'll hear a little bit on that later on with Chase Hancock. But going back to the game last week, one of the questions asked of Doc, what was the best thing you saw on film? Also, what's the thing you saw on film that you want to work on? Well, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, every every program, I'm sure everybody has the same conversation we do at the beginning of the year. Your ultimate goal is to go win a conference championship. So, you know, once you get, I told them last week or I told them last night, you know, you got eight straight weeks, really nine weeks, but you got eight straight games. You know that every every game's a championship game. You got to prepare that way. So, you, know, you look around our conference, and it's there's so much. Uh, there's, you know, there's not. I think there's a lot of people that are just about the same type of teams, and you have to be prepared every week to go play, or, or you get beat. So that's uh, you know, we got to make sure we do a tremendous job preparing. Uh, you know, Western Kentucky, as, as I mentioned, is a good football team. It's got a lot of really good players. Okay, obviously that was not the soundbite I was looking for. So I'm going to give our producer Gabriel Sellarts a mulligan. So, Gabriel, we're going to start this again. Cut for Doc Holliday. It's right here on the cue sheet. I'm going to tweet it out later on so people can see that I'm not lying. Once again, Gabriel, cue cut four. There were some good things. Our players played extremely hard. I thought our special teams as a group played the best we've played all year. You know, and uh, we had the one mistake there at that first kickoff. But the kid was trying to do exactly what we told him to do and what we coached to do is that step to get your foot out of bounds and catch the ball because you get the ball to the 35-yard line. I mean, that's what he's coached to do. He just didn't quite get it executed. But the rest of it was clean. You know, our kickoff returns were good. Our kickoffs were excellent and that type of thing. So well, we got to improve in all areas. You know, I thought, you know, Isaiah, made, he stood in there, made some throws, did some good things. But just overall, you know, if there's a couple things you have to do, Keith, I think number one, we got to get off the field on third down, and that, of course, that, that quarterback kept a lot of teams out there on third down, other than just us, because he's extremely accurate with what he did, and the receivers made plays. But we have got to find a way to get off the field on third down. We got we got to stay on the field on third down. We got to convert third downs as an offense, and we got to be more consistent running the football. You know, you can't become one dimensional, and we have to run the ball a little better. So we'll focus on that this week and see if we can get that done. All right, that was cut four, where I was going to say before we played it again, the best thing Doc saw on film and the thing that Doc wants to work on. So that was cut four. We are skipping over cut five, Gabriel. And we're going to queue up, not play, queue up cut six. Is it queued? Are you in order now? Okay. I asked Doc. This is my question. I asked it, so don't mess it up. I asked Doc, is there added excitement for playing Western Kentucky? I, I think so. I mean, I, you know, I think at the, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, you got it's a conference game. It's your first conference game. And, it, and uh, so regardless of who it is, I would hope you would, uh, you know, you prepare the way you, you prepare to go try to win a championship. But there's no doubt that, uh, you know, we've had some uh, history with, with Western Kentucky and they're an excellent football team. And, I'm sure they're treating it as a rival. So I heard her coach say that. So obviously they think it's a rival. So we, we do too. We'll, we'll prepare and, and get ready to go play. Yes, it's a rivalry. I don't know if anyone's told anyone. It's a rivalry. So we're on to cut seven now, Gabriel. And cut seven, the question is to Doc about Western Kentucky's veteran receivers. They've got that triple-headed quarterback monster going on right now, but it really doesn't matter because they've got some solid veteran receivers to help whatever quarterback is behind them on the line. Whatever the situation may be with the quarterbacks, they've got those veteran receivers that are there to help. Here's Doc's response to that. 
Well, they're like, I mean, they, those kids play a lot of football for them. And, you know, they're, they had their, they lost Furby, who had played a lot of football, their tailback. They're playing with a couple of young kids there at tailback. But the one thing that you notice about them is those, those receivers are guys that you all have all seen out, you know, play out here for a couple of years. So I'm sure that's the stability part, you know, of their offense. They got two guys that can make plays. They're good players and they try to get the ball to them. And they got some good young freshmen. 14's a kid uh, from Louisiana that, uh, you know, they try to get the ball to him in space, and they got, of course, a couple of young freshman tailbacks. That one of them had, I think, what, 98 yards or close to 100 yards there last week. So they got good players, they got good skill, and uh, they'll be a challenge for us. Speaking of the running game, there's an opportunity for the Thundering Herd. Now, running game hasn't been that good for Marshall as of late, and Western Kentucky has an opportunity here for Marshall to maybe get healthy on because. They've got a lot of new guys on that front seven. So the question to Doc was, how important is it to get that running game going against Western Kentucky? Well, as, as I mentioned before, we have to, you know, I thought against Miami we did. You know, at Miami I thought we ran the ball pretty well and we got to get back to doing that because I think any team, whether it's us or whoever, if you become one-dimensional, it becomes a problem, you know. So we got to, you know, hopefully uh, do a little better job of running the football and we'll go work hard to try to get that done. Another question for Doc, uh, as far as personnel is concerned, was Keon Davis. Um, Doc was asked his opinion on Keon, how he's been forming, and uh, what he's been able to do on the field so far. Here's Doc's reply to that. You know, he's one of them guys you say, what in the world is he doing? All of a sudden you look up, he's made a play, you know, and whether it be kickoff returns or, you know, whether it be on offense. And, you know, he's, he's doing a good job catching the football. And he he's just amazing. He loves to play, you know, and he shows up every Saturday and, uh whether it be on kickoff returns or playing tailback or whatever, but uh, he's a he's a good player that uh, you know, he's deceptive. He doesn't look like he runs very fast, but nobody hardly ever catches him. So it's a good thing. But he's a he loves football. He's a great kid, and uh, and I'm, he's like he's doing a nice job for us. Another question on personnel this time, Marcel Williams, and the question to Doc was, um, how important was it to get him loose? Well, uh, here, you know what's happening to us, and NC State did a nice job of getting that done. Is they they were they were not going to let Brady beat us, beat them, and they did a good job of of uh, taking Brady out of it, and not letting it happen to him this year. What happened to him a year ago? So that being said, other people have to be able to step up and make some plays. We made the one play because of what they were doing with Brady with Marcel, had the other opportunity with Willie, and didn't quite throw and catch it. So when that happens with Brady, then we got to be able to run the football a little better. And, uh, and we got to be able to step up and make some plays one-on-one, -on -one, which we made one of them, but weren't able to complete enough of them to take advantage of what they were trying to get done. And finally, question about Ryan B. It was how many more looks can you get, how many more looks can you do up front now that you got Ryan B. back in the rotation? Our goal was to play him 30 against NC State. He played 32, you know, which we didn't want to play him. So, and he came out of it pretty good. So, you know, we'll – We'll see. I think, like, you know, Malik Gant playing a little better or playing better. And, uh, you know, we got Holmes in there. We can have the opportunity to put Ty inside a little bit. So, you know, you, I think I mentioned you, you don't want to get those kids to where they're playing 60, 70, 80 snaps a game. Hopefully we can keep all those guys around 45 or so and, and get a good rotation there going. But him being back uh, playing helps, no question. That's Doc Holliday's presser from earlier this afternoon. Now when we come back from break, going to get a chance to catch up with uh, one of the defensive core. we got Chase Hancock, and I'll get his thoughts on the game coming up against Western Kentucky when we continue. With this edition of The Drive, we are presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. 
You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Tuesday edition. The Drive continues on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Earlier this afternoon, I got a chance to catch up with Chase Hancock. I want to get his thoughts on the game coming up with Western Kentucky. He's been around a while, so he knows a little thing or two about this series. So I wanted to know, first up, really what this series means to Marshall players. I think there's a, a lot of history here. Um, I remember when I was a freshman and, you know, DJ Hunter and Elvin Mc, Evan McKelvey and those guys, are, they made sure to let me know that, you know, we don't like them, they don't like us, but there's a, a mutual level of respect between the two teams. Um, so I think we're just, we want to put this last game behind us and just move forward. So no fist fighting, but other than that, everybody likes each other until you play, then there's going to be a lot of violence on the football field, a lot of hard hitting. I think that's fair, what he said. Sure, the fans like to get after each other, but I think that's fair from the standpoint that, you know, we don't like those guys, but it's it's respect. We want to get after them, and they want to get after us. And because of that, I asked him, is this game more fun because it is Western Kentucky and it's the start of conference? Yeah, um, so like you said, we start conference, everybody's 0-0. And uh, this is the, really the, the beginning of the, the rest of our, our journey, really. This is step number one. Um, everything that that we work for is still out there for us to accomplish. So, um, you know, Western is just the next team. That's a big point that we've been hearing from the players and talking to them this week is this is the reset now. Non-conference is important. You got to play three games. You came out two and one. You beat Miami of Ohio. You beat EKU. Didn't get a chance to play South Carolina. And you were in the ball game with NC State. NC State, the better team that day. And so now you're ready for a conference. You're on the road. You're taking on Western Kentucky. And everything resets because you've got eight games in conference. And if you can come out on top, you're going to win the East Division title. And you're going to get a shot at the Conference USA Championship. So he's right. Everything is still in place for this thundering herd. Now let's get into the game itself. Western Kentucky's running game has improved Last week, they were really effective. And so the question the Chase was, uh, what are you guys going to need to do to, to be on top of that? I think there's a, there's a huge emphasis on stopping the running game. I mean, when you watch film, um, I see a lot of broken tackles. Uh, they run really hard. And, I mean, that's, that, that's even out there on, on the, uh, for the wide receivers as well. Um, they're big, strong dudes out there. And uh, when you watch film – there are multiple guys having to take these dudes down. So I think um, what we're just going to have to focus on is making sure that we tackle. Um, and, I mean, I mean that's, all, that's all we can do, really. I, th- I thought we did well last week as far as uh, making sure we got them guys on the ground. And you know, this is a big game, so we've got to put it all out there. NC State's running game, not that good. Passing game, of course, was the the better aspect of their game against the Thundering Herd. Now, going back a moment ago, I was talking about everything's right there in front of them. 
if they can win their conference games, they'll be in a good position to win a conference USA championship. But you got to start with Western Kentucky. That means you got to win that first one. And so Chase was asked, what is the importance of going 1-0? and Huge, huge. Um, I mean, this is the next game, so it's very important that we win. But this is also the beginning of the conference. So, um, I mean, that, that kind of sets the tone, I feel like. You know? So whether we win or lose, which I hope, I hope that we win, um, I think that will dictate – the the next few weeks, really. After Western Kentucky, Thundering Herds got a Friday contest with MTSU. Then they got uh, all of a sudden dangerous ODU. All of a sudden, I am paying attention to ODU. FAU, of course, is the big home game left on the schedule. You've got Southern Miss, Charlotte, UTSA at home, and then finish out the regular season on the road against FIU. But Winning Western Kentucky puts you in a good spot because you're all of a sudden 1-0 in conference and you don't have to worry about trying to dig yourself out. You're on top for at least a day or two or a week or two until your next game. So that's the importance there. Now, with that said, usually you look at the schedule and for the last few years it's been Western Kentucky and then that all of a sudden changed a little bit. So conference schedules changed just a bit and we see Western Kentucky first up on that conference schedule. Now, for some of the older guys, that's a different occurrence. For some of the younger guys, uh, no matter there because just put them in front of us and we'll go. Put them in front of us, we'll go. That's the attitude. But Chase was asked, hey, how, how does it feel to start conference with Western Kentucky? Uh, I'm kind of glad to see these guys kind of early. I get tired of waiting to play those guys so late in the season. Um, so this is a big game for both of us, and I think everybody looks forward to it. I think the fans really eat it up, and I think they're supposed to have a blackout or something, so that'll be really fun. The Herd strike the stadium. Western Kentucky's throwing up the blackout. I wonder if they're going to be able to fill the stadium, black it all out, make a big deal. Hey, guess what? Western Kentucky circled you, Marshall. Western Kentucky has circled you, Marshall. You are now circled on the calendar. They're going to black out the stadium. How's that feel? And on top of that, you're playing on the road at Western Kentucky, so I asked Chase, how's that feel to go in there? That's a pretty fun environment. I love it. Um, you, know, you, just, you get used to it. Uh, and again, there's there's a mutual level of respect and dislike there, which which makes it all that much better. Um, but you know, with them having a blackout or whatever, uh, I think that's 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 just a distraction. I don't I don't think we really get too caught up in that. I think we ju- we're just focused on going down and, and winning the game. So you're gonna have all that black. Then you're gonna have herd fans. They're gonna hit the road, show up in in large numbers. There'll be a good scene of green, or maybe white, or maybe a different color. I don't know. Somebody should be coordinating this. On a side note, someone should coordinate this. Hey, when you go on the road, here's the color you're going to all wear. Because you go and look over at the NC State section, and you see this red. Not white, not black. You see the red. So you get the 
green stripes, you get the white stripes, and you get the red. They were in unison. Color coordination, folks. It looked like Christmas out there. All right. Enough of that. I digress. So one of the things that uh, Chase Hancock's going to have to deal with is the fact that you've got a team that's going to throw possibly three quarterbacks at you. They're going to throw to the tight end. They're going to throw a lot at this Marshall defense, and it's a lot to think about. Here's what Chase had to say about everything that Western Kentucky's going to do. Uh, absolutely. Um, they, they do a good job rotating the quarterbacks. Um, they're all threats, really. I think a lot of times you just you don't have to worry about the quarterbacks because they don't they don't like to run. But these guys like to to run and get out of the, out of the pocket. So that's something that we're going to definitely have to focus on. And um, uh, I mean, they, they do a good job in in pressure under pressure. Um, as far as uh, the games that they've played, I think they're all all good. So they're all threats that we're going to have to look out for. Western Kentucky's got a little bit better over the last few weeks. Uh, started out really sketchy, not sure what this team's going to be about. Then they were in some games that possibly they could have or should have won, and there has been an improvement. Despite their record, not where they want to be, but the improvement's there. So that was the question to Chase. Have you seen a big difference in their performance the last couple of weeks? I thought they were going to beat uh, Louisville. Um, they just kind of lost it there in the end. But um, they definitely improved, and um, I'm just I'm really excited to 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 see what they bring to the table. I mean, because um, it's a big game because it's the next one, and um, every week everybody is expected to get better, and we're definitely going to get their best their best shot because we're Marshall and they're they're Western. So I like that. Because we're Marshall and they're Western, that should be a T-shirt right there. Because they're Mar, uh, because we're Marshall and they're Western. Gabriel, get that T-shirt printed for me right away. All right. Finally, from Chase Hancock, with the fact that they're going to have to look at three quarterbacks, tight ends, they're going to have to see a lot of different things coming at them in offense. They've got some unknown skill positions. The question was asked: How big are the adjustments going to be on the road? With all these unknowns, I think we just have to prepare for for everything. Um, and again, it, when, it's hard to win on the road, so we also have to keep that in mind and um, just really lock in and focus on being being able to play against all of them, whoever they put out there. Just just being ready. So that's Chase Hancock. Appreciate his time earlier today. When we come back and break, we're going to turn our attention a little bit north. And a lot west. David Kahn from the West Virginia Power joins me next. And there's a shift in minor league baseball. We'll talk about it here on The Drive, presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center. Welcome back to The Drive for this Tuesday, September 25th. Baseball season's about over. The West Virginia Power season's over. But we welcome David Kahn from the Power to the program because, um, let's be honest, David, you had to find some reason to get back on the show, and uh, I think you got a pretty big <laughs> one. 
<laughs> yes, that's that's why the power are now affiliated with the Mariners, so I can talk to you again. Absolutely. No, uh, Paul, pleasure to be back on. Uh, big announcement, obviously, coming out of, of our department uh, yesterday. We are we have uh, begun a new affiliation uh, with the Major League team. We are now a affiliate of the Seattle Mariners, as the Pittsburgh Pirates have uh, taken their low-A affiliation to Greensboro, and Seattle has uh, has picked us up. What was the uh, reasoning behind the change, or was this just a contract expired and a better offer came somewhere else? I, you know, walk me through why this happened and, and what's going on. Sure, absolutely. So an affiliation agreement generally lasts you know, between two to four years, depending on the player development contract. Uh, we'd been affiliated with the Pirates since 2009, so it had been 10 years uh, of a player development contract with Pittsburgh. That's one of the longer ones you're going to see in minor league baseball. Generally speaking, you know, it lasts four, six, eight years maybe. Uh, some teams have had a longstanding agreement, and, and we had that one with the Pirates. It, uh, you know, and, and the contract was expiring at the end of 2018. We kind of knew that was happening. Uh, and then it was really just up to the two sides, us and Pittsburgh, to negotiate and see, you know, whether the right fit was to, uh, for them to re-up with us or for them to go in another direction. And ultimately, they decided to go in a different direction. They decided that they, you know, when they, they visited Greensboro this year, they, they liked what Greensboro had to offer. And so they decided to go with them uh, because there had been talks that Miami was looking to move somewhere else, and, and Miami was. And when Miami declared that they were moving out of Greensboro, Pittsburgh decided to take that opportunity to explore Greensboro. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know about the negotiations between Greensboro and Pittsburgh, but from an outsider's perspective, I, I would assume that Greensboro made Pittsburgh an offer that they liked, and Pittsburgh decided to, to take their affiliation to Greensboro. And we were in talks with uh, Seattle and Miami and a few other clubs as well. And when it came down to it, the Mariners and us had the most mutual interest and I think the most mutual initiative moving forward. So it made it a pretty easy decision to, to go with Seattle and to to move forward as a, as a Mariners affiliate. And we, we, we really couldn't be more excited about it. Uh, you know, we love being with the Pirates for 10 years, but, you know, we're excited for the new chapter, and it's just another new little nice twist to the 15th season of Power Baseball coming up next year. So you got the two-year player development contract, and I'm sure that means a lot of rebranding, a lot of reworking what the West Virginia Power brand is. So uh, can you go into any details? I know it's still early in this agreement. Sure. So we do not have any scheduled rebranding for next year per se in terms of logos or color schemes or anything particularly like that. It might happen for 2020 and beyond, but for 2019, we're going to stick with what we know and what we've had. Uh, same logos, same color schemes, same everything. Obviously, the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, logos will no longer be around the ballpark on our uniforms. Those will be replaced by uh, Seattle Mariners logos and Seattle Mariners artwork everywhere you see. Uh, but for the for the most part, we're not going to change a whole lot. You know, we understand that fans have grown to love our logo and our color scheme, and and you know, we don't really want to uh, do too much of a change to it at this point. Uh, it could come next year, especially with uh, how well the fans respond and and how well we respond to the Mariners' uh, uh, change. But uh, I think for right now, we're gonna we're gonna stick with what we've got. Of course, that could change, but. Uh, for right now, we're we're gonna uh, stay put with the uh, the current stuff that we have. I'm kind of curious. There is one logo brand. I mean, it's not the primary, but you got the baseball with the pirate yep. eye patch and the the earring and the 
the hat yes. with the bandana. I mean, you're keeping that, you're not keeping that. I'm assuming you're not keeping that one. So we're keeping it, but we're not using it as much as we, we have in the past. Uh, it, that is a more pirate-themed logo, um, as you, you know, very much pointed out. Um, so we are... So we are keeping that logo for now. Uh, we are definitely moving away from it uh, in terms of leaning more towards the classic WV logo and then using the WV Power kind of jettison logo horizontal uh, instead of the WV instead of the the Chuck logo as we call it because we did make that for more of a a pirate type atmosphere. So that that one will certainly be less used, but. We uh, we're still going to keep it for now. It's still a part of our All Star Season logo that we have we have and are going to continue to unveil throughout the season. Um, but it'll definitely be less utilized. David Kahn's joining us from the West Virginia Power. So for 2019 and for 2020, there is a agreement in place. The Seattle Mariners will uh, have uh, the two year development contract with the Power. So n- now my question is. What does that mean for staff, coaching staff, personnel involved with the franchise? How much of little or any turnover change are we going to see? Sure. So we will not see, obviously, guys like Wyatt Terragas and, you know, Joel Hanrahan and Chris Peterson and, or any of the players that you saw last year uh, back in West Virginia. They, they belong to the parent club. So they will go to Greensboro or Bradenton or Altoona or, you know, wherever Pittsburgh decides to put them. Uh, so that, that, you know, basically it's going to be a clean slate. There will be a whole new set of players, a whole new set of coaches coming to West Virginia, whether it will be the guys that were in Clinton last year or whether it will be guys coming up from Everett or Modesto or new guys added to the system. You know, we don't really have any way of knowing that yet. The Mariners, of course, have not announced their coaching staff for 2019 as their 2018 season it's not officially over in terms of playoff picture there, you know, they're out of it, but uh, they, that, that process hasn't begun yet, but it will be a, a whole new crop of players, a whole new crop of coaching staff. And it'll, it'll be exciting because you get to, you get to get involved in another system. You get to see what the Mariners are all about, what the, what the future of Seattle is all about. And, you know, I talked about this yesterday with somebody else, the, uh, the rich history that Seattle holds. I mean, guys like Ken Griffey Jr., Felix Hernandez, Ichiro Suzuki, uh, uh, Alex Rodriguez. I mean, a lot of those guys that are in Seattle now or were in Seattle went through that system. So the potential for us to be the next place where they develop their guys from is actually very exciting. But for the majority of the staff, though, this isn't a change. This is just more players, obviously, because they belong to the Pirates, the coaching staff, because they're affiliated and hired through the Pirates. Everybody else, marketing, ownership, obviously. David Kahn gets to stay. So for the most part, yes, nothing changes yes, there. David Kahn is staying. Yes, yes. No, all of our, our staff is not affected by this um, because we are the West Virginia Power, not technically employed by the Pittsburgh Pirates. So our, our staffing will not change for that reason. Um, the, the Pirates you know, certainly have every right to reach out to our staff and see if they want anybody from it, but that generally doesn't happen. Uh, so for, for right now, I, I don't foresee any staffing changes. Uh, at least in regards to the affiliation change. David Connors, our guest from the West Virginia Power, so a new affiliation, same lovable West Virginia Power. And, uh, I mean, still, that's a big change because for the longest time, the Power were affiliated with the Pirates, and that was a great cross-brand because you had the parent club, which was not far from Charleston. You also had 
the West Virginia Bears, uh, the Black Gears up in the Morgantown. You yep. had a nice little pipeline going on here. So uh, that's going to be a different dynamic, I'm sure, for a lot of a lot of fans. And a lot of fans who were power fans are also Pirates fans. So I'm sure there's a, a yes. new dynamic here. You know, it definitely will be. Uh, the travel is going to be a little bit more interesting because the short season team is in Washington and the high A team is in California. So the travel will certainly be a, a different uh, a different cycle from going from Washington to West Virginia to California to Arkansas, then back to Washington, and then finally to Seattle because that's the current that's now the pipeline because uh, Double A teams in Arkansas. So with the travelers, so it's definitely a a, long, a longer road uh, in terms of miles traveled to get to Seattle uh, when you have to go through West Virginia and Arkansas, but. Uh, you know, it'll be exciting. Some, a lot of the fans have already embraced the change. Some are, are a little bit slower to come around, and we understand that. I mean, obviously, you know, we've grown up to be Pittsburgh Pirates fans, too, being there for the last 10 years. And, and it's not like we aren't Pirates fans anymore, and we aren't going to root for the former power players that are in Pittsburgh's system. Uh, it's just now we have extra players we can welcome into the power family and, and you know, continue to make uh, names in West Virginia. We've had two really successful seasons the last year in terms of on-field play, almost making the playoffs both times. And there's a lot of really interesting talent in Seattle's farm system that, you know, could be in Charleston as early as next year and, and could help the power contend in a very talented and very potent South Atlantic League. Is this a situation as well where Seattle wanted to get into the South Atlantic League? Because this is their first jump into the South Atlantic. Yeah, it is. And, and Seattle definitely was interested in getting into the South Atlantic League. That is absolutely true. Um, they, you know, looked at the possible teams that were available and when, when they made the decision, okay, we want to be in the South Atlantic league, they talked with, you know, teams like Greensboro and Kannapolis and us and, and everyone else that was up for affiliation renewal and basically kind of felt out where the most likely possible spot was that they could get into for 2019. It ended up being us. Uh, but they were certainly interested in getting into the South Atlantic League. We were interested in talking with them. You know, their ownership group and, and their baseball department has been tremendous in helping us in the early goings of this transition. Uh, you know, so you know, we couldn't be happier with the way the, the partnership has started off, and we're excited for the next two years and hopefully a long time to come. David Kahn's our guest from the West Virginia Power. All right, so what's the next excuse to get you on the show? What are we going to talk about? Tulane football? <laughs> what are we going to do? Whatever, whatever you want. We can talk Marshall football. Got a got a big game in uh, in Bowling Green this weekend. I, I know it's against Western Kentucky. So got to got to go beat the Hilltoppers at their place. Okay, we might have to do this. Uh, we'll eventually get our podcast launched. Uh, Swan and yes, Con. Yes, That's will. coming eventually. Yes. We talk yes, about Swan it. We just Con don't do it. It's coming. Well, hey, look. You, I know you've got a lot of stuff going on with Marshall and and, and West Virginia University season coming on, and and I've got my own stuff with Tulane. So. We'll uh, we'll roadmap it this off season and, and maybe we'll we'll maybe we set it for a uh, opening day 2019 unveiling and we can just kind of incorporate that into our uh, regular weekly phone calls. Okay, we can do that. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Still, have we come up with the plan? Well, no, that's that's the beauty of it. We don't have to come up with what we're going to talk about. The fans send us in the topics and then we pick the topics that we like the best. So the fans get to do all the legwork and we just get to make it fun. Okay, you're your brave soul. All right, we'll we'll do this. <laughs> That's David Kahn from the West Virginia Power. Hey man, good catching up with you. We'll do it again real soon. And uh, um, I would talk to Lane Football about with you, but I I, I want to stay your friend. 
Hashtag beat Memphis. See you, Paul. See ya. That's David Kahn, West Virginia Power. They are now affiliates of the Saddle Mariners. So it's good catching up with that guy. I haven't done that in a few weeks. That's going to do it for this edition. I want to thank our producer. Yes, he's still here. Here, He's still our producer, Gabriel Sellards. What are you laughing for? You know what you did earlier. You know what you did earlier. You'll fix it. I understand. That's going to do it for this edition. I want to thank him. I'm Paul Swan. This has been The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Good night. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Huntington Sports Station.